Higher education fundraising is in the news, and there are lessons for all fundraisers. Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich. This is the first day from the fundraising school, and I'm joined today by Dr. Jen Shaker, the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy. Jen is engaged with primary research on philanthropy and fundraising, and is a fundraiser herself, including in the sector of higher education. You came to us from our liberal arts college where you were fundraising on the front lines. Okay. What trends are you seeing now in higher education? One thing that sticks out for me is technology. Mm. So I just see how important online giving and technology in terms of donor prospecting, donor planning, I see it more than ever as being important in our, our future success in the field. And, and how is that so? Is it in terms of finding alumni and, and yeah. identifying them, making it easier for them to donate? How is technology right. making a difference? I mean, I really see it on all of those fronts. Mm -hmm. So I see it in providing the data and information that we need to really understand our donor base, our alumni population. I see it as being the mechanism for getting people engaged and keeping them engaged all the way from annual giving all the way up through major giving, mm -hmm. plan giving, ultimate giving. And I, I see it as the avenue for us to continue to raise those big dollars in the future. Higher education seems highly skilled at donor identification. And I'll tell you a quick anecdote. Sure, in the first yeah. 10 years of my marriage, I needed to move eight different times in a couple of different states. And my undergraduate alma mater and my wife's undergraduate alma mater found us every single time. <laughs> yes. I always would tell people we should have put higher ed fundraisers in charge of finding bin Laden. We would have had him in like two days. Yeah. Uh, you know, you guys are just so good at finding people. How do you do it? And what can fundraisers learn uh, as they pursue donor identification? Sure, well, of course there are companies that can help you mm -hmm. with that. Mm -hmm. And uh, another thing that higher ed is, I think is doing really well is using LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. So LinkedIn has become a great resource for higher ed fundraisers and alumni associations to find their alumni and know what they're doing, keep up with them. And then, I, but I think we always have a challenge, just like other nonprofit organizations, in keeping track of our people. Mm -hmm. And now it is keeping track of them on email and social media and being able to find them and then hoping they will follow us. So it's changed a little bit from the US mail address being and the phone number being the currency of how we find people and to being more about technology. And so one lesson for all of us as fundraisers, whether we are in higher education fundraising or not, is this use of technology to find donors, to reach out to donors, to make it easy and convenient for people to donate to our organizations, that can apply to all of us. Jen, one thing I want to ask you too is about making yeah. the case, you know, and there's so much in the news about is higher education affordable and, yeah. you know, schools talk about th these are the, the dollars we give to students in need. Is that a big right. part of the case being made in higher education these right. days? Well, well, for me, I think the case for giving to higher ed really rests on the work that we are doing for the public or common good. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the idea that, yes, we are helping individual students uh, with, their scho with scholarships and other things. Yes, we are 
helping faculty to do great research. Mm -hmm. Yes, we are creating wonderful, beautiful campuses that mm -hmm. the community can come to and be part of, but ultimately we are doing all of those things, I think, because it helps society as a whole. And so I think really the case rests on that, but I do think we can sometimes do a better job of connecting those dots for the public because the public certainly is feeling a little more concerned about mm -hmm. the purposes of higher education and the good that it does now than it has in the past. So I think we have to help them as fundraisers in how we talk about gifts and the good they do, how we communicate with donors, and how we express that case as being larger than, um, larger than one student. One student, it's powerful but it's also larger than that. One of our school's founders, Robert Payton, defined philanthropy for us as voluntary action for the common good. Yes. And your description of higher education fundraising fits right into the center of that. Yes. That all of philanthropy is the common good, and as fundraisers, we need to explain how we're advancing that common good, how we're making the world a better place, uh, and in this case, for higher education, but it really does apply for all our nonprofits. We have to be able to show that impact. That's right. Exactly. What about recognition? Higher education fundraising, yeah. you know, we see buildings with names, we see sports right. stadiums with names, yeah. we see basketball courts within stadiums with names, like everything gets named. Yes. What can we learn about recognition from our friends in higher yeah. education? Well, I was thinking about that a lot, actually, recognition and stewardship, mm -hmm. right? And so recognition is part of that stewardship and donor relations aspect of fundraising and I think that is so important. So when it comes to recognition, of course, what is most important is aligning with what is meaningful for the donor. Mm -hmm. And that comes of knowing your donor and knowing what will resonate with them and, and also knowing your, your setting, your, your college or if you're in another kind of nonprofit, knowing your setting and what's appropriate for that setting and then crafting those structures and approaches to recognition that make sense on both sides. And so that is part of this stewardship and donor relations that, you know, sometimes it's easy to lose track of that after the gift is made because we have the demands of moving and working on the next gift. Yeah. And so I think it's really important to put equal attention on each stage of that project process, not just the cultivation, not just the asking and the solicitation, but also everything that happens afterward and, and crafting that as part of one strategy, one personalized strategy for those key donors in your organization. And then having things that are more general for people at other levels. And recognition is something that's negotiated. This is something that's yes. being discussed in the process of asking yes. for the gift, right? Yes. Not yes. just something that happens at the end. Right. And, and most of the time recognition is happening for healthy reasons, yeah. for positive reasons. Occasionally we have to deal with a donor with a big ego though, don't we? Oh, sure. You know, people have a variety of motivations that drive their giving, and that's okay. And so we have to just find a balance between what's fair and appropriate and what, what a donor may want. 
If you take our major gifts course, we have a wonderful case study on that. Uh, there's this fine line between recognition and we do show a, an example of a donor whose ego is a little larger, not smaller, and as fundraisers, what do we need to do with that? You know, one great thing about higher education fundraising is your donor pyramid is large and diverse. You have, you know, at the base of the pyramid, those $25 gifts, and then we read about these seven and sometimes eight-figure right, gifts. Right. So a lot of major gift fundraising in higher education, and this takes a while. I mean, Sometimes it's quick, but oftentimes this is a right. multi-year process. And yes. uh, what lessons are there in terms of patience that fundraisers need to be aware of? I really believe that it is a process. And in, in my work, I was lucky enough to work in the same school for many years. Mm -hmm. And so I, not, I, I began that work at the annual level and ultimately completed that in the leadership position for that school and but through that whole thing I really got to know donors over many years and I can speak from personal experience that some some of those gifts that I that I completed took a decade wow. I am not kidding and that is that is a little bit of a luxury I know we we don't necessarily feel like we have that much time but that's the beauty of having a more robust pipeline mm -hmm. of, of donors and supporters that you can move at the pace that makes sense for the donor over time. And so if you have people, some people it takes a great deal more time to make those gifts. Other people, I speaking of technology, I've worked through whole major gifts with people on email over a shorter period of time without ever meeting them. And so you, if you have that range and variety in your pool of people that you are working with, then you can give some toners more time and then you, you can move more quickly for others who want to move quickly. I love how you said that, Jen. Fundraising moves at the pace of the donor. We definitely need to remember that. Dr. Jen Shaker of the IU Lilly Family School of Philanthropy. You can find her research on our website philanthropy.iupui.edu and then forward slash the fundraising school for the courses from the fundraising school including our major gifts course which is one of our most popular frequently offered courses across the entire United States. We have quarterly webinars you can find us uh, through an app, social media and of course these podcasts. I'm Bill Stanjakovich and you are now fully informed on this first day from the fundraising school. Mm -hmm.